the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show this Monday, January 7th, 2022. Uh, open lines hour, uh, 602-508-0960. Jeff had called in earlier, couldn't get on, and uh, we are happy to uh, make good right now. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Seth. How are Thanks you? Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Oh, I got a little COVID voice going on, but I think I'll be okay. All right. You tested positive? Well, I took a test today. I'm gonna pretty sure it's going to be positive. Yeah, yeah. My wife, my wife tested positive. Now it's pretty contagious, but it's just kind of a bad flu. We'll send you our best. Yeah, thanks. Feeling better today. Good. Hey, um, I was listening to your stuff about the Republican history with civil rights and stuff. is pretty interesting. All that stuff took place place when I was a child, so I don't really know much about it. But anyway, I always record Saturday Night Live, and I, I like the weekend update section they put on. Okay. Those two guys are those two guys are kind of talented, I think. But uh, they had one to, last Saturday, just had me yelling at the TV, where um, <clears throat> Colin Jost was talking about Biden's low, low ratings, you know. And he put up a picture of Ronald Reagan, and he said, but Biden, you know, he has, he can rally. You know, a lot of presidents have started out earlier terms with low rating and rallied. And then they switched the picture of Reagan to Jefferson Davis with the stars and bars behind him. And he said, here's a guy that generations of Republicans have looked up to. I started yelling at the TV. I thought, Jefferson Davis was a Democrat. What are you talking about? <laughs> what uh, what are they doing? Yeah. What are they doing? I this know. is what Joe Biden did last week in Georgia. He yeah. tried to rewrite yeah. history and not even from the 1860s, but from the 1960s yeah, uh, uh, by, kind of by invoking uh, right. Bull Connor and Jim Crow 2.0. Um, it's yeah. it's. And Saturday Night Live, which I haven't watched in I don't know how how long. What do you got for me? You got something? Oh, yeah. Let's listen to the clip. Go ahead. Well, there was another president who had a disastrous start to his first term, yet he became an inspiration to generations of Republicans even to this day. I'm talking, of course, about Jefferson Davis. <laughs> and then he had, what they did was they put up a picture of Ronald Reagan with Jefferson. They had Ronald Reagan yeah. up there first. Yeah. To kind of set up the joke. Yeah, to set and up then, the joke. Yeah. Yeah. And then afterwards, and right after that, he says, uh, there are still Davis statues in 10 states. Maybe that explains why the Voting Rights Act is stalled. <laughs> this but is just Jordan such a, this is mind. just, so, it's, 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 you know what, what the problem, I mean, there are so many problems with this. Part of the problem is that people do watch this and believe this, and they believe this nonsense. They, I know it. I, I, like I, you I, said, they've been. And it's not even really funny. Is it even funny? It got a couple laughs. I don't. I don't even understand sure. the, the 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 humor in it. I I, I got to tell you, this this effort 
to uh, to to revise and rewrite American history. I, as I said in my first uh, hour, it, it's it's not even about history anymore. It's it's about contemporary, right before our very own eyes. It's it's on a daily basis, and you see this in all kinds of cancel culture stuff. But you see it in what Joe Biden is doing. You see it in the stuff Kamala Harris is saying. You see it in all this talk about Jefferson Davis and the Republican Party and Bull Connor and the Republican Party and, you know, the Democrats of the, uh, that were popular in the 1990s. Who's the last presidential candidate that ran with the stars and bars for the people that don't know what the stars and bars are? That's the image of the Confederate flag. Who's the last president that ran with the image of the stars and bars behind him on buttons and campaign uh, uh, bumper stickers? Bill Clinton and Al Gore. Sons of the South, they said. Sons of the <laughs> South with the Confederate flag behind them. Wow. And they're pro- trying to you... they're trying to land this on Ronald Reagan. Unbelievable. Ralph Abernathy, Reverend Ralph Abernathy, Reverend. He was Martin Luther King's chief of staff and best friend. He was to Martin Luther King what my best friend is to me. He was his best friend publicly endorsed Ronald Reagan in 1980. Does that sound like what you're getting from Saturday Night Live and the history of Joe Biden? Come on now. No. Come on. No. What they are I doing bet. here, it's, you know, it's not anything we would we would want to censor, but they need to be instructed, or at least what we need to do is double down on what we're teaching our kids. Double down on it. In fact, we're fleeing the scene. In fact, we're abandoning the field. Yeah, I agree. I wonder if you asked, if you polled an American, I wonder what percentage of them would even know Jefferson Davis was a Democrat and not a Republican. I wonder if they knew if they would know that uh, William Fulbright voted against the Civil Rights Bill as they celebrate such things as the Fulbright Scholarship. I wonder if they know that um, I wonder if they know that Bill Clinton spoke at a KKK leader's funeral, Bobby Byrd, Robert Byrd, who was known as the constitutional uh, the constitutionalist of the United States Senate, former member of the KKK. I wonder if they know a higher percentage of Democrats voted against the Civil Rights Act in 1964 than Republicans. I wonder if they know that the hero of Watergate, Sam Irvin, who chaired those hearings, Democrat, tried to stop the 1964 Civil Rights Bill. I wonder if they know that Al Gore's father, Al Gore Sr., the man he was named after, tried to stop the Civil Rights Act of 1964. I wonder if they know any of these things. I wonder if they know that Richard Nixon was one of the most popular uh, one of the most popular politicians uh, to the African-American community during his lifetime, particularly in the 1950s and 1960s because of his work on desegregation and, and integration. I wonder if they know Ronald Reagan himself as a radio broadcaster saved the life of a black woman by pointing his gun at, 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 at the man who was trying to, to steal her purse. I wonder if they know that he reunited with her when he was president and she thanked him for saving not only her purse but her life. I wonder if they know any of that. I would say they do not. No, they don't. They don't know any of this. And we as a party have to labor under these kinds of uh, historical and contemporary 
defamations and profanations of our party and our movement. It was curious to me that during the riots of 2020, how heavy, um, how heavy a scythe went against American statuary. Why was it that they were going after Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln as much as they were going after uh, statues to Confederate soldiers or leaders like Jefferson Davis? Why was it they were doing that? Why was it? A, they had no historical knowledge or understanding. The reason was they all represented America. America is their problem. America was their problem. They don't know history. They know little tidbits. They know deconstruction. And they know factoids. Factoid is exactly what they know. Little things that aren't true. People use factoid wrongly. Look up factoid. It doesn't mean a small fact. It means a small fact that's not true. Everyone thinks it just means a small fact. No. They know factoids. They know factoids. And, 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 and you wonder how much better this is going to get when you have American history being our single worst subject in our schools. I haven't said it in a while. Maybe you got tired of hearing me say it. I'll say it again right now. 50% half of college, excuse me, 50% half of high school seniors graduate with an F in American history, an F. Right at the age they can join the military, right at the age they may be going to college, right at the age where they get the right to vote, right at the age where they're considered an adult. Half of them get an F in American history. David McCullough said we are making aliens and putting them into a country of adulthood they don't know. I'm all for going and I'm pretty strong on going after the problem of illegal immigration. But I have to tell you, ignoring the alienation of our own youth and making aliens of them to a country they don't know is going to have even longer term consequences. You can stop illegal immigration overnight if you want to. You really can. You really can. This problem I'm describing, making aliens of our own citizens... It's a much longer haul, and I don't know how much of us are awoken to it. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. I got uh, a couple emails uh, during the break here saying uh, I should tell the story of uh, Ronald Reagan and um, the woman he saved. It's it's not an, it's not a well known story. Surprise, surprise. Uh, why would it be? Uh, it it it's for the same reason the lieutenant governor of Virginia is not given the credit she deserves. By the way, I made the point uh, a little bit earlier that I don't understand why. You know, all the attention is on the mayor of New York, the new mayor of New York. He's he's not the first he's not the first black mayor of New York. Uh, He gets all the attention. But the lieutenant governor of Virginia, who got elected in her own right, uh, Winsome Sears, 
uh, is getting the back of the hand, is not getting any attention whatsoever. And by the way, she got almost double the votes. I was making the point that Virginia is about the same size as New York City. It is. But I, ch- I just checked. She got double the votes, Eric Adams got. He got something like uh, 700,000 something votes. She got something like 1.7 million votes. Maybe more than double the votes he got. But she has to be ignored. Why? Because she said she could make it here in a way she couldn't in, Ma- in Jamaica. And that's just not the narrative, is it? America has to stink. America was never that great. The American dream is not possible. For if all that is true, there would be no need to fundamentally transform this country, right? So we just kind of disappear her. She just doesn't have to exist. She doesn't have to be paid attention to. Well, she should. She's earned it. She's earned it. And Virginia is no less important than New York City. Just ask anyone who works in Washington, (laughs) D.C. All right. So the story of Ronald Reagan saving the woman with his pistol and his sense of right and wrong at an early age. I'll give it to you from uh, one story from 2004. Uh, This is a local Des Moines uh, CBS affiliate from 2004. Melba King was a 22-year-old nursing student in Des Moines in 1933. She was walking home one autumn night when a mugger came up behind her with a gun and demanded her money. At that moment, Ronald Reagan, who was a Des Moines radio sportscaster at the time, came to her rescue. Reagan pointed a 45 caliber revolver at the robber from the window of his second floor rented room, and he said, leave her alone or I'll shoot you right between the shoulders, as Melba King later told police. Reagan scared the man off and calmed King's nerves. Then what did he do? He walked her home. He walked her home. This is in the 30s. Okay, this wasn't this wasn't when race relations were at a better point in the 50s, 60s or even in the 70s in the 30s. Reagan scared the man off and calmed King's nerves and walked her home. King didn't see Reagan again until 1984 when Iowa Governor Terry Branstad heard her story and invited her to an Iowa caucus campaign event. After King and Reagan hugged on stage, Reagan laughed and said to the crowd, this is the first time I've had a chance to tell you the gun was actually empty. (laughs) If he hadn't run when I told him to, I was going to have to throw it at him, Reagan said. Yeah. Guess what? The two families, the King, uh, uh, the King and Reagan families, they exchanged cards on birthdays, holidays, and during times of sickness and grief. But to the Saturday Night Live crowd and to the rest of the media, I suppose, Ronald Reagan represents the same thing as the racists of yore and the Confederacy did. There's simply no evidence for it whatsoever, and all the evidence is in the other direction, including Martin Luther King's right-hand man and chief of staff campaigning for Ronald Reagan in 1980. All right, so having um, having uh, denounced uh, our treatment of American history here, I'll do a little bit more. 
with regard to Martin Luther King since it is Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. Um, in Texas, we went through this – well, first of all, let's thank God for all the, uh, all the lives that were saved by dint of good work in Texas. But the asininity of the FBI having to say in the midst of this hostage situation on Saturday at the synagogue in Texas – that we we are we are unclear on what the motive is. You you do realize that that is to be expected when you have a radical Islamist holding a rabbi hostage in a in a synagogue on Saturday, when the chief law enforcement agency is focused on the notion that terrorism in America is really parents fighting against critical race theory at their school board meetings. You can understand why they might be discombobulated about what the motives are of a radical Islamist hijacking a synagogue in Texas. You can kind of begin to understand the problem here. But you know what? On Martin Luther King Jr. Day, let's point out how strongly Martin Luther King Jr. also felt about Jews and particularly the country of Israel, especially when you think about all the anti-Semitism and anti-Israel sentiment that exists in the BLM and Antifa movements today, the legacy of the black power movement of the 1960s that puts Israel on par with a South Africa of yesteryear. It's a legacy of African nationalist and anti-colonialist movements that the Palestinian effort uh, led by Yasser Arafat and funded by the Soviet Union cobbled together to make Israel a pariah state, to make it the colonialist, to make it the imperialist, to make it the racist regime. Martin Luther King had none of that. He had no truck with any of that. He wanted none of that. In one of his last speeches, he said this, and I quote, the response of some of the so-called young militants does not represent the position of the vast majority of, he used the word, Negroes. There are some who are color consumed and they see a kind of mystique in blackness or in being colored and anything non-colored is condemned. We do not follow that course. Peace for Israel means security, he said, and we must stand with all our might to protect her right to exist, its territorial integrity and the right to use whatever sea lanes it needs. Israel is one of the great outposts of democracy in the world and a marvelous example of what can be done, how desert land can be transformed into an oasis of brotherhood and democracy. Peace for Israel means security, and that security must be a reality, is what King said. And no, this wasn't in 1967 before June. It was in 1968, a full year after the Six-Day War. All right, I'll give you some more King history you're not going to read about when we come back. We'll be right back. Rag weeds rocking on the radio. That's pretty fun. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Having lamented the state of history and wanting to celebrate um, Martin Luther King Jr., it seems to me that uh, there's a few more things you're not going to hear about him that need to be uh, said and need to be retaught and need to be relearned. Um, think about what's popular amongst the activists and on the college campuses today. Uh, 
On the campuses today, you are less likely to see imagery and iconography of Martin Luther King and more likely to see it of Che Guevara and Malcolm X. There's a very famous image of Malcolm X shouting an epithet that has become a banner of youth and college students today. I'd be surprised if that picture weren't also in the offices of Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton or Ibram Kendi. But do you know what you will not see? You will not see a picture of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X together. They were contemporaries, after all. You might think they worked together or did a lot together or that there would be a lot of pictures of them together. There are not. There is a single solitary picture of the two of them together on a stage and King is looking unhappy. There's a reason for all of this. King never wanted that picture taken and never wanted to be with him ever. He wanted nothing to do with Malcolm X's militancy or his Islamacy or his condemnations of America as an evil place, which was Malcolm X's stock in trade. They had two totally different readings of American history. Don't take my word for it. Listen to Reverend King. Perhaps you've heard of his letter from a Birmingham jail. It used to be taught. I don't know if it is anymore. There's a lot in there. A lot. But there's a lot in there by scholars that we're supposed to not read anymore, like Aquinas and Plato. But the letter from a Birmingham jail, he wrote obviously when he was in jail in Birmingham, it was written not to the world at large. I mean it became so and it could be read as such. But it was originally written to his fellow pastors who didn't quite understand why he was agitating so much. They were slandering him as an extremist. Keep that in mind. By the way, Martin Luther King Jr.'s disquisition on extremism in his letter from a Birmingham jail was part and parcel of what got Harry Jaffa thinking about those famous lines for Barry Goldwater about extremism in defense of liberty. Anyway, Martin Luther King wrote this in his famous letter, quote, I stand in the middle of two opposing forces in the Negro community. I'm just going to I'm, I'm going to say it one more time and then I'm not going to do it anymore because it ruins the, the 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 continuity. But I'm using the parlance and the language that Martin Luther King used in the 1960s. I stand in the middle of two opposing forces in the Negro community. One is a force of complacency made up in part of Negroes who, as a result of long years of oppression, are so drained of self-respect and a sense of somebodyness that they have adjusted to segregation. And in part of a few middle class who, because of a degree of academic and economic security and because in some ways they profit by segregation, have become insensitive to the problems of the masses. The other force is one of – listen carefully – the other force is one of bitterness and hatred and it comes perilously close to advocating violence. It is expressed in the various black nationalist groups that are springing up across the nation, the largest and best known being Elijah Muhammad's Muslim movement. This movement is made up of people who have lost faith in America, who have absolutely repudiated Christianity, and have concluded that the white man is an incorrigible devil. Close quote. Folks, do you know who he's talking about? Do you remember who Elijah Muhammad was? He was the founder of the Nation of Islam. He was Malcolm X's boss. Today, that movement is led by Louis Farrakhan. King condemned all of them 
But, of course, Bill Clinton can hug and get on stage with Louis Farrakhan today. King wanted no part of any of that, not only because the movement was anti-Christian, as he said, but because they were violent and because they thought of America and other whites as, quote, the devil. Do you think anyone who wears a Malcolm X shirt has any idea of any of this? You cannot honor King and Malcolm X as the same or working for the same efforts or the same movement or the same morality or the same teaching teachings any more than you can honor Abraham Lincoln and Nathan Bedford Forrest as the same. We'll do a little more when we come back and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I was talking about historical revision. You can also get it in real time. Here's your president of the United States today. But even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's mm-hmm. death did. You like that? You like that? With the mm-hmm from Kamala Harris? Really? Is that what we've come to? Is that the line? Martin Luther King to George Floyd with him having more impact on this world in his martyrdom or death? That was the impact Joe Biden was talking about. I was um, speaking about the revisionism that has elevated the likes of Malcolm X and... um, all Martin Luther King fought about and against internecinely in his civil rights work and how Malcolm X has trumped Martin Luther King in too many of our college campuses, too much of our youth, and in too much of our culture generally. Um, It's a legacy where you speak of America and whites as the devil. Martin Luther King wanted nothing to do with that. Please recall he called our Constitution magnificent. King wouldn't understand what Joe Biden is saying today at all. Final point about Martin Luther King, the notion of relativism, that there can be no absolute truths beyond our own subjective preferences and opinions. Reverend King wanted nothing to do with that either. And yet today, that is the view that dominates the academy and almost all of social science. Recall, please, that Reverend King loved and continually cited the self-evident truths of the Declaration of Independence. One of his more famous sermons is titled A Knock at Midnight, and he says, It is midnight within the social order. This midnight in man's external collective is paralleled by midnight in his internal individual life. It is midnight within the psychological order. Everywhere, paralyzing fears harrow people by day and haunt them by night. Deep clouds of anxiety and depression are suspended in our mental skies. More people are emotionally disturbed today than at any other time in human history. The psychopathic wards of our hospitals are crowded and the most popular psychologists today are the psychoanalysts. Bestsellers in psychology, still quoting, are books such as Man Against Himself, The The Neurotic Personality of Our Times, and Modern Man in Search of a Soul. Bestsellers in religion are such books as Peace of Mind and Peace of Soul. The popular clergyman preaches soothing sermons on how to be happy and how to relax. Some have been tempted to revive the command to read, Go ye into all the world, keep your blood pressure down, and lo, I will make you a well-adjusted personality. 
feelings over facts and truth. All of this is indicative that it is midnight within the inner lives of men and women. He continued, it is also midnight within the moral order. At midnight, colors lose their distinctiveness and become a sullen shade of gray. Moral principles lose their distinctiveness. For modern man, absolute right and absolute wrong are a matter of what the majority is doing. Right and wrong are relative to likes and dislikes and the customs of a particular community. We have unconsciously applied Einstein's theory of relativity, which properly described the physical universe, to the moral and ethical realm. Shall I continue? I shall. Midnight is the hour when men desperately seek to obey the 11th commandment, thou shalt not get caught. According to the ethic of midnight, the cardinal sin is to be caught and the cardinal virtue is to get by and feel good. It is all right to lie, but one must lie with finesse. It is all right to steal if one is so dignified that if caught, the charges become embezzlement, not robbery. It is permissible even to hate if one so dresses his hating in the garments of love that hating appears to be loving. Everything about BLM and what Joe Biden said could be described here. The Darwinian concept of the survival of the fittest has been substituted by a philosophy of the survival of the slickest. This mentality has brought a tragic breakdown of moral standards and the midnight of moral degeneration deepens. Close quote. There's not a philosophy, a political science, a sociology, or an anthropology department in this entire country, probably outside of Grove City College or Hillsdale, that would give this Ph.D. an interview to teach at their faculty. Universal truths that did not and do not depend on the whims of the day or subjective values is what Reverend King was standing for. That's how he could appeal to the rights of man, the universal freedom and equality that man deserves because he is simply a man, a human being. I was talking about this with Tim earlier, the beautiful picture, tragically beautiful picture of protesters at Reverend King's last march in Tennessee. The black men, they were sanitation workers and they carried signs. Go look it up online. There are pictures of this. What did the signs say? What did they not say? They did not say, I am a black man. They said simply, I am a man. Now, if you'll let me, I want to conclude with one last reminder. None of this is revisionism. All of this is King in his own words. King as he understood himself and what he was trying to convey. Let us go to his very last speech now, just so there is no confusion that he changed. Or anything like that. You will not hear Jeremiah Wright or Sharpton or Obama or Jackson or Ibrahim Kendi speak of America as great. But you will hear Martin Luther King say that. Here's a part of that speech. He wrote, he said, quote, somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest for right. And so just as I say, we aren't going to let dogs or water hoses turn us around. We aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. We are going on. We need all of you. And you know what's beautiful to me is to see all of these ministers of the gospel. It's a marvelous picture. Who is it that is supposed to articulate the longings and aspirations of the people more than the preacher? Somehow the preacher must have a kind of fire shut up in his bones. And whenever injustice is around, he tells it. Somehow the, press, the preacher must be an Amos 
and saith, When God speaks, who can but prophecy? Again, with Amos, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Now, there's something very important I left out because I did not want to confuse the point, but it is part and parcel of what King stood for. Right before he spoke of the greatness of America, of above, well, I'll tell you when we come back. It'll be the concluding thought of the show, and I think you'll think the wait is worth it. We'll be right back. In his very last speech, in his very last speech, Martin Luther King Jr. said, We have an injunction, and we're going into court tomorrow morning to fight this illegal, unconstitutional injunction. All we say to America is be true to what you say on paper. If I lived in China or even Russia or any other totalitarian country, maybe I could understand some of these injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they hadn't committed themselves to that over there in Russia and in China. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest for right. As I said earlier, and so just as I say we aren't going to let dogs or water hoses turn us around, We aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. He knew that the injunctions were illegal, and he did not speak as Sharpton or Kendi or the 1619 movement does about racism embedded in the Constitution and law. He knew racism was not in the Constitution and appealed to it and said it was part of our greatness. He didn't try and change our founding date. He wanted us to study our founding date. And he knew the difference between America and communist Russia and China, Soviet Union, if you want. He knew the difference. He had no problem choking on the question of American exceptionalism. And he had no problem saying that America was better than Russia or China. He did not live in the midnight of the moral order he was denouncing. But Joe Biden does. Joe Biden does. And to take the man... The reverend, the doctor, the teacher, the shaper of our civil rights movement who could unite a country on a principle that was uniting all of us based on our foundation as a country and turn that over to people that want to change the state and tell us we're a down market country that's systemically racist still and that Martin Luther King's martyrdom is less important than, than, than George Floyd's. Yeah, we're in the soup. We're in the soup because we're studying and celebrating the wrong things and thinking wrongly all the while. We have the teachings here, folks. We have this. We have it. Let's not put it in the dustbin. That's how you honor Martin Luther King Jr. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. Class dismissed. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.